There is an opportunity to use the unique space of the car and the closeness that it generates between people within the car to actually trigger that to doing or experiencing something together. Old school road trip redefined right within those innovations comes to my mind. So I love that idea and that push to also not just think of the driver or the owner of the car, but really think of the passenger slash guests in the car in a broader sense and what can be done around that. And we are back for Series 3 of Transformation Stories from the award-winning Beltec Cafe. This series, we're talking innovation, commerce, emotive marketing, and career changes. We'll also dip into trends in fintech, digital health, retail, mobility, manufacturing, and speak to CEOs, CDOs, SMEs, and lots of other acronyms too. As always, you can expect gloriously unscripted discussions that shed an open and transparent light on the ebb and flow of our digital world. I'm Tizzy Philp, and welcome to the podcast. Over the last couple of years on this series, we've been investigating the new trends, business models, and emerging opportunities of the mobility industry. We've dipped into subscription models, e-vehicles, and last-mile delivery, and we've unpicked connected cars, smart cities, and sustainability. In an industry that is experiencing such rapid change, each new series gives us an opportunity to take stock and look again at the primary drivers of the sector. And indeed, to see where and how mobility is being influenced and driving change across other industries too. In this episode, we'll be exploring the ways in which changing customer expectations in the automotive industry are leading towards intersections and partnerships with other industries. We'll discuss the ongoing push towards D2C capabilities and how we're rethinking the retail model as a result. I'm Danny Pesic, Global Industry Lead for Mobility at Valtech. And today I'm joined by Matt Redman, SVP Strategy Europe, and David DeChesser, Chief Creative Officer, North America. Matt, David, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Denny. Thanks for having us. Yep. Super excited to be here. Great. Glad to have you both here today with me. So let's right away jump into the discussion. There are changes in the industry, such as the rise of subscription services and mobility as a service, as well as EVs in general that are evolving the way customers want to interact with auto brands and their expectations of the brands. David, how do you see this this impacting car brands? Yeah, you know, I think it's going to be super interesting. If you think about, for instance, what we expect uh, from our relationship with our, our cable providers now, you know, we've gotten to a place where it's really easy to turn uh, on and off the services that we want when we want them, right? And, and I think that if you think of this concept of uh, service transference, where how when we get to experience certain features uh, in other services, we, we start to expect them in you know the, the products and services in every other part of our lives. What does it start to look like when it's easy for me to, uh, for instance, cancel my subscription or easily create another you know, subscription to another car brand, right? So I think that's really interesting, um, especially when you think about where you know, how Apple and Android are starting to get deeper into the car as a platform and, and really kind of looking at the car as an extension of the ecosystem where you, you essentially can take your, your phone and all of your preferences, all, all your in-car services with you on your phone and then just plug them into another car. So I think, I think that's one aspect that's super interesting. And then there's this, th- this other part of it. The role of brand, I think, is going to be much more important uh, in terms of, you know, today there's, I think, a certain segment that really equates 
their car brand or their car model with their identity, right? There's going to be, I think, a greater need for differentiation and, and clarity around the roles of brands. Like, for instance, if I said I was a Cadillac driver or a Lincoln driver, right? Like how, how much is there really a difference between who that says I am as a person versus like I drive a Tesla, right? At least today, you know, that, that sends off some strong signals about your identity and, and uh, the car brand that you've chosen and to others. So it's going to be really interesting to see how these things, both from the easeability of, of switching, you know, how one segment's going to react to it versus the other segment that will be more brand loyal, right? And how car manufacturers are going to have to really sharpen their brands in the future. Yeah, I think it's a, it's a really interesting uh, challenge the legacy brands are facing versus the, the new entrants, right? Because the new entrants aren't encumbered with any of the sort of uh, production models, cost models, and yet you know we're facing uh, challenge of the cars that we're now producing are smarter than ever. They cost more than ever to produce, but you are finding it harder and harder to transfer that cost to the customer. Right? So, um, how many people are as willing to pay? For all of that technology when they can potentially uh, manage it via a subscription and uh, switch out of that subscription when it's necessary for them and i think you know particularly in times now where people's disposable income has come under increasing pressure these uh, models are becoming extremely attractive so i think um to david's point about brand you've got this challenge haven't you of where price and convenience are making it really easy for people to use subscription models. So which part of the brand are we talking about? Are we talking about the the product, which I think there's a really interesting shift now of how much are we talking about the sort of um, the product experience, so the engineering uh, prowess of the the car versus the brand that's delivering the service. So if that is uh, a third party that doesn't actually produce the, the product but is actually delivering an incredible experience of providing uh, whichever car you want to your door it's completely valeted and uh, providing the ongoing relationship who's the relationship with is it with the subscription provider or is it with the product provider and i think that that's a really interesting dynamic that i think when the car manufacturers only thought they had the challenge of um, owning relationships and that balance with the dealerships do they have a direct relationship does it go through the dealership they've now got this additional challenge of the third parties that are entering the market with incredible service offerings and really strong brands so i think that that's going to be a really interesting dynamic to see uh, played out like this where is the value in the brand now residing product or service or the, or the experience i think it's a really interesting thing for us to be um, debating great questions and points there and and i do think we do see a lot of that struggle in the industry to really define for themselves from a product-centric brand aspect to a new brand aspect from a, is it is it around the car that I develop and the features of the car or is it about the experience that I give as a brand through my car but also beyond that to the consumers, right? Uh, we, we see Sony and Honda happening, right, that definitely play into that extension beyond the car as well and two brands that I, I think have had their struggles in the past anyway as well uh, and looking together now to maybe solve that. But we also see new brands coming in that are taking a totally different shift. And, and it's not about the product at all. Product selection is very minimalistic. Uh, and it's all about the experience when you first engage with the brand and the experience that you have when you actually activate with the brand that, that they are very much focusing on and going with. So 
definitely, definitely a big shift there. And I think another element that we see there is that we have obviously totally n- per se new players come into the car itself as well. So CarPlay by Apple, right, and uh, Android, how they're coming in and bringing actually their ecosystem and their experience into the car. Car brands trying to either fight back or embracing it in the sense of like, well, how do I really either protect my brand against that or affiliate my brand with that as well? We've seen some incredible failures as well, haven't we? Because um, you look at the service brands coming into the market have have an advantage here because that that's the direction of travel, right? They are born, you know, lots of these are born digital. They're born service orientated. They've got the culture and memory muscle in the organization to be customer centric and managing those those relationships where the incumbents are, are finding it hard right they can see these new revenue opportunities they can see these uh, opportunities to sell differently and manage relationships differently but they've still got this incredible memory muscle of being engineering businesses and wanting to maximize the sale of their products so those when i mentioned that failure you know some of the early um, service innovations were it's possible now to have um, add-ons and extensions to the in-service performance of the car. A service brand would probably wrap that up in the total cost of the, the car or your subscription. But the legacy players went through that phase of trying to charge for all these add-ons. So, you know, charging to switch your heated seats on when you've already bought the product is a, you know, is a difficult thing uh, to get customers to feel that that's, you know, an okay thing for them to be paying for. So I love your perspective on this. Like, how are the um, the legacy brands starting to shift their their culture, like their organizational culture? Who's doing it well? Are they doing it through partnership to make sure that they're truly adopting this service based culture? We see in that struggle definitely as well, and and I think there's also a regional aspect that actually plays into that within the North American market and US specifically. You uh, see much less of a drive at this point into that because I think the positioning of the car there and the car culture is different than it is in Europe, and then in Asia specifically, China, it is very much pushing in that direction in in many ways. Right? I mean, we had a David mentioned earlier. Lincoln, for example, right? So they're not doing much in the US around that aspect a little bit. But in China, they've built up whole kind of like programs specifically targeted toward women, actually, and and, and community and everything that they're building around that as well. And I think the whole aspect of community is an interesting one to see how partnerships, alignments, uh, or, or, or new services all around car and community really come together. Yeah. So I think if you start to think of first like the mechanics where it's a subscription model and we play word association here, subscriber starts to become member, subscription becomes membership. And then when you start to think about what a membership is, it's really being part of something, right? And it's it, it has um, a suggestion of a community aspect to it. I would say more culturally, you know, we've seen over the years, the rise of member clubs you know, some some type of a shared sense of values in that community are what that member club's about. And now we're, you know, starting to see some of the car brands that are experimenting with this. So you have Lincoln Co. in Europe, you know, has a subscription model and, and, and they have these member clubs where they run different types of events, uh, supper clubs and things like that. Uh, the other that I find really fascinating is, uh, is Neo that appears to be doing it, at least their locations appear to be on a grander scale. I don't know if they have as many locations as Lincoln Co., but they feel more of like these co-work spaces 
Uh, they feel like a bit of a hybrid of, you know, work and, and socialization. And then they also have these lifestyle products that they've created, right? Or they're, or they're curating. They're, they're clearly trying to associate their brand with a lifestyle where I, I think Lincoln Co., you can sort of get a sense with the types of events that they're holding and stuff like that, the audiences that they're going after, but like the addition of lifestyle type products that Neo is bringing to the market is taking it to the next level. So it's a really interesting trend and it's going to be interesting to see if that starts to take hold in, in other places outside of Europe and China. Lincoln Co. and Neo are really great examples and we're definitely seeing some different approaches there. And Interestingly enough, I've actually had a lot of conversations within OEM space, uh, with OEMs, specifically around, oh, we got to bring lifestyle in and we got to kind of like do something more in that. But then it goes oftentimes back to lifestyle very closely associated to product and merchandise associated to the product or or the brand per se. Uh, And maybe a little bit outside of that within like uh, performance or whatever, but still very, very close to the product versus what is it that the customer really wants to connect with or the right audiences that fits with my brand, but then what they do elsewhere and how do I kind of like play a bigger role there? So I think there is still a lot of learnings for the traditional players to to still take here and, and, and understand that you got to come in with fresh ideas, you got to branch out, right? What are maybe industries that we can take learnings from, right? If we're looking outside of automotive, what are other industries that have gone through a similar transition in the past and are showing good examples at this point? I couldn't say categorically this is an industry per se, but I, I think, you know, one interesting example is Equinox, you know, which is a health and fitness, a gym beyond a gym here in the States. I think that they have some locations uh, globally too. They are very much about the community, right? Like you go there and you work out and you can, you know, you've got your juice bar and you've got these other aspects to it. But it is very much about a lifestyle in a community when you belong to Equinox. And what they've started to do is open up hotels. So there's a type, right? And I'm, I'm not that type, but there is definitely a type, you know, that that is a member of Equinox. It is strong enough that they feel like, there is a community aspect to it. So if I'm traveling, I'm going to stay at the Equinox Hotel. Like not only do I have access to my gym, but I know that there's by extension, the other people who are going to be staying at this hotel, the restaurants that are going to be here and those types of things are going to be strongly connected to this important part of my identity and what this brand means to me. So I think that's an interesting one. I think if you look outside of some other things too, I guess maybe to kind of continue on the travel and hospitality theme, you've got uh, the recently soon to close uh, Star Wars Galactic Star Cruiser at Disney in Orlando. Super ambitious, right? So like I associate this idea of uh, Star Wars and, and that whole world with, with my identity. And I can go, I think it's a multi-day trip that you do there. And you're in character, right? It's not just a themed hotel. I mean, it's you are fully immersed in this world, uh, the food, their storylines, this sense of community around it too, right? So I'm, I'm not just kind of part of the story, but I'm surrounded by people who really love this thing that I closely identify as part of who I am. You know, we're, we're together in this moment. D- different ways a community is manifesting itself and brands are starting to extend themselves into other categories, I think is really exciting. Definitely so. And um, I think the mistake here, legacy 
brands and businesses can make is, you know, just thinking this is a trend or an extension of marketing and communication efforts, right? There's fundamental changes that are occurring. And, you know, I think most of them get this, but still don't think there's this sort of momentum behind. And, you know, this is, I think we probably all heard this, didn't we, that there was a recent um, statement from one of the main manufacturers in China saying that we didn't think that there'd be more than 10 major manufacturing brands in the near future. So there is a sense from inside some of the key players that there's a seismic shift happening. And either you take these changes really seriously, just to give, I think there's some interesting points that we can add to this where, because you've got to look ahead slightly, haven't you, at the, the future customers We've seen some of this data where there's fewer people applying for driver's licenses. And you start overlaying that with the reasons for why that may be and people that have grown up where actually driving isn't necessarily a pleasure as it as it has been for many people. It's a chore. And that chore is serviced by Uber and other, you know, ride hailing um, services. So you start seeing that there's potentially, you know, a significant change in the model that unless you are already on your way to owning that relationship with the customer, understanding the data, understanding the trends, it's going to be very difficult for you to make the flip. And I think there's already signs that some of these companies have set themselves up differently, much closer to the customer, much broader sort of lifestyle offering, have got much more potential to be able to adapt and move with the changes that are coming, which to be fair, you know, we we don't know exactly what will happen in five to 10 years. We've, we've had some good estimations of this, but I think a lot of it is making sure that you are prepared right now when you've got the organizational structures, you've got ownership of the data, you're able to innovate quickly. If you're not in that position already, then I think that the signs are not particularly positive for your future. Yeah, very true. And I think it was BYD actually that made that statement with the 10. But I agree that it's like not that much time left, especially knowing kind of like how much you got to pivot and how much you got to change. And the organizational change is definitely very, very difficult. And taking that into account and taking into account what we just talked about, kind of like where they need to pivot to or what they need to refocus on, right? With all the other change that they have to work on right now, just around the product itself too. And the product is still going to be critical in the whole thing as well, right? It begs the question, are they better off, are OEMs, traditional OEMs, better off to maybe seek out very strategic and strong partnerships that can help them with that other side? Or define their role maybe and and be happy with it. I I am kind of like a product company ongoing still, like we see in, in, in the telecom space so as well. Like those two pieces, right? But if they did reach out to kind of like partnerships and so what are possible likely good candidates for them to do so right i think we see some where mercedes has some hot hotel comes back again up and travel right but which obviously makes sense but what are possible other partnerships that might make sense for oems i think if we pull way back you know i think at a macro level and get back to the idea of let's call it the in-car experience we've talked about this before that there is really I think a lot of parallels between everything that happened in the mobile phone maturity, right, and the journey of of the mobile phone over the years and what's about to happen to the car. So if we rewind the clock and go back in time, you can think how many device manufacturers were out there and how many operating systems were out there. There were a lot, right? You've got BlackBerry, you had Microsoft was doing things. The list goes on. And now we're basically down to, to, you know, mostly Apple, at, at least, you know, in the States, you're down to Apple and Android. 
Apple, of course, we can maybe take them off the table for a minute because they've always been there to integrate the hardware and the software together, right? Beautiful industrial design with really great software experience. But if you start to then look at like all of the other technology companies and hardware manufacturers, the journey that they've had to go on first with the phone, and then we can look at our TVs, for instance, in terms of like, what is the operating system that is really defining a big part of the experience? And what's the role that the hardware plays? We have a Sony TV at home that's running Google. Sony sells me on their technology specs and what it can do. And and we're not part of the, the Google ecosystem at home, but we really like the Sony TV. And But I can access my Apple TV as an app on there, right? And so Sony and, and Samsung and others have had to kind of come to, to grips with like, what is their user experience? What is their product? What does their brand mean when there is another company that is playing such a big role in defining what the experience is? So I think the interesting thing then about the car, like you can see the car is going to probably go on the same journey right now. You've got a lot of, of the OEMs defining their own digital experience, if you will, inside of the car. But now that the car is maturing as a smart device, Apple and Google are right there to help them along, you know, as very mature providers of operating systems and for these other experiences to kind of coexist on top of a mature operating system. I think the really interesting thing here where the cars are different enough than these other analogies is like the car is much bigger and like it makes a bigger statement of like, you know, the the beautiful external experience of this thing and what that means in terms of like influencing the cars that you want in your life versus the experience that's happening on the inside. So, you know, sort of bring it back to partnership at the highest level. It's like, okay, I believe some of the manufacturers have started to say like, well, we're going to exclusively partner with Android or we're going to exclusively partner with CarPlay. I think that that's starting the conversation there, I think is, is, is really interesting. It's hard to see other players coming in and disrupting them as being like the, the, you know, you talking about the platform and the operating system feels like that that is what's on the horizon for many of the manufacturers. I think there's a really interesting thing though um, we've we've certainly been discussing and seeing some innovation in obviously if you're owning the hardware what are the opportunities to do more creatively and uh, more innovation with that. So some of the things that we've been exploring in the near future and in particularly if you look out to China for example where driverless cars a government much more prepared to promote it a public much more willing to accept that that's a viable option some of the technologies uh, for entertainment so if you're not driving and we and you know i think a lot of people have started exploring this and david you were talking about the space inside the car it takes on a completely new meaning doesn't it because you've got time where you are not focused on driving you've got time to be doing other things so we've heard microsoft talking about how it can integrate to improve productivity I think there's a lot of us who are also really interested in the entertainment uh, potential because we've got all that glass to work with and some ideas that we know are possible. Like, uh, And there are companies already creating GPS-related content so that dependent on your journey, you're getting content that is beamed onto the, your screens, which is telling you much more about that environment. You're able to explore that environment. While some of the main players may take a a big lead, I think there's still going to be lots of opportunity for innovation around (laughs) the the content and apps that are going to become revenue generators, experience creators inside those spaces. A lot of interesting innovation that can start to happen in terms of those experiences in a car where the car is driving itself that we can do together as a family. So like you can imagine, you know, journeying to another planet 
journeying through the Sahara or something like that, right? So you, you can start to think where National Geographic might come in as a content partner there, or is it the Wizarding World where I can travel to the world of Harry Potter? I think that those things are super interesting. And I think that the thing that I hope it doesn't become, the thing that I hope it doesn't become is more people disconnected looking on their own devices today and not interacting with with each other. I think that like there's something that Kind of sounds a little depressing when you think about Microsoft's vision of more productivity in the car. <laughs> it is a great opportunity to actually play maybe different roles for different people. Still, again, the productivity side being being a valid one too, because the car is still used, obviously, in the sense of like getting me from one place to the other around being productive. But at the same time, it is also an extension of the family room, oftentimes, or or of the friendship room when you're actually out with friends and whatsoever. And then there is a unique opportunity to be innovative and bring experiences into a car. I like the examples that you made that you can serve up in the car way different than probably anywhere else. And I think that's an opportunity for actually OEMs to distinguish themselves too, despite Apple or Android being in there. They're going to be in the car one way or another. And, and yes, we do have the GMs at the Fords that take different takes on it. doesn't really matter. The reality is they're somehow going to be in there. But there is an opportunity to use the unique space of the car and the closeness that it generates between people within the car to actually trigger that to doing or experiencing something together. Old school road trip redefined, right, within those innovations comes to my mind. So uh, I love that idea and that push to also not just think of the driver or the owner of the car, but really think of the passenger slash guests uh, in the car in a broader sense and what can be done around that. Well, I think this is a really nice mission I think the industry can take on where, you know, the reality is, and we, we've seen this through the data that, um, you know, uh, average speeds in most uh, cities are, are reducing. So the joy of joy of driving, in fact, there was a, a study that looked at life satisfaction and there's a direct correlation between the length of your uh, commute and your life satisfaction, right? So it, it's something that used to bring lots of pleasure and joy and uh, hopefully can do again, right? As these renewed spaces of connectivity and entertainment. So I think, yeah, I, I would really hope that, you know, there's a renewed sense of innovation in the industry where they're thinking beyond, and, and as you've mentioned, Danny, absolutely product performance, still critical, the design, still really critical. I think hopefully there's also this opportunity to be thinking about this completely new experience that people can have inside a vehicle we should probably also talk about what the things are beyond the vehicle as well i mean we touched on that a little bit earlier but um yeah i think there's a whole load of innovation that can happen in that space and we're only just sort of scratching the surface at the moment of it so we here at valtech we do um a lot of work in the themed uh, entertainment world with theme parks uh hence the examples that i'm bringing up but we also do a lot of work in the travel and hospitality world and one of the intersections of both of these things is a word that you used a little while ago denny which is uh, guest there's a lot more. So, so the example I gave of the National Geographic one, right? That's obviously in the family spending time together. It's very influenced by the time I've been spending with our teams who do the themed entertainment work, right? And what does it mean to, you know, they're always thinking about the group experience, right? And what does that human to human centricity look like? In the travel and hospitality world, there's a lot to take from there too. And as a guest, and I think I was just remembering the first time I had ever heard of Uber. It was a while before I used it because I immediately thought that it was a luxury service. 
it felt like a concierge. Like it's, it felt like something that like, okay, I can use this for work. Now we expect it's almost like it's our personal driver now, right? Like it's turned into a service now that is a con, you know, my, my own personal driver. And I think that if you start to think about the travel and hospitality world and the role that being transported around, you know, intersects with that and us being able to spend less time driving in our cars, right? You know, what are some of the um, concierge services that you normally would get from those industries that you can start to think of your relationship with an automotive brand that way, right? So maybe it's not uh, an Uber that's delivering something to me or taking me somewhere else. It's, you know, my BMW. You know, I'm not calling Uber when I get to the airport. I'm in a BMW lounge at the airport. I'm not renting a car, but it's part of my subscription. You start to imagine more of this concierge services that the brands can start to think of. I think that there's a lot of overlap uh, in the role that mobility plays in those other aspects of our life. No, all great points. Thank you both for actually joining me today. I, I think we had really some good ideas that we threw around here. I like that we talked about the aspect of product itself, the car itself that's still important, but also explored kind of like what are opportunities for OEM brands to branch out and see other avenues that can drive revenue for them and can drive brand engagement for them and not diminish them to really just being a product provider within an ecosystem of other players per se. But I think, Matt, you pointed to it earlier, it is going to be important to really look internally for OEMs as well and look at what does that mean for their culture and their setup and not diminish the role of that in being successful in the future. Any parting words from you? We're doing a lot of work in this space and we, you know, we're already working with many manufacturers. So I think, yeah, we'd love to see more people stepping forward, wouldn't we, to take on this challenge? I I think, you know, we we haven't as much spoken about what are the different challenges in terms of how do they get moving? I think that'd be something, maybe follow up conversation or something we'd definitely want to be able to share is, you know, there are different ways in which particularly the legacy uh, OEMs can start uh, really accelerating their transition to this new sort of model. So that'd be something, I I don't know, that uh, there's a team of people that are doing this work already. We didn't really sort of touch on the fact that we're talking about this, we're really passionate about it, but there's also a massive part of our business that is already helping many of these brands make this transition. I felt like we were just getting started here, so we'd love it if you could host us again, Denny. No, definitely. I think there's definitely discussions worth to follow up and, and continue, and I like the idea that you threw out there, Matt. So for right now... Thank you both again for joining. Looking forward to the next one. You've been listening to the latest transformation series from Valtech Cafe. Hit subscribe to get access to our whole back catalogue of conversations. And if you'd like to know more about what we do, why not visit us at valtech.com for all the details. Until next time, thanks for listening.